I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, focus on the Middle East. Israel lays out new plans for the war against Hamas, while the U.S. Secretary of State makes another visit to the region. Back and forth as President Biden and former President Trump exchange barbs on the campaign trail, we preview the Iowa caucuses and the issues important to Catholics. Take a hike. A record number of pilgrims took part in a famous walk for the faithful in Spain. Plus, body and soul. We speak with the NBA player who puts Bible verses on his shoes. These stories add more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Well, thank you for being with us on the Feast of St. John Neumann. Our top story tonight, President Joe Biden kicked off his 2024 campaign this afternoon, zeroing in on what he says is the threat to democracy posed by likely opponent Donald Trump. The former president says the same thing about Biden. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen? Tracy, with nearly a full year to go before voters head to the polls, and while the matchup is not solidified just yet, it's looking more and more like a 2020 rematch. And today, near Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, at Montgomery County Community College, President Biden invoking George Washington, asking a crowd of supporters at his speech, is democracy still America's sacred cause? Not far from where the Continental Army, led by George Washington, encamped during the winter over two centuries ago, President Joe Biden goes after Donald Trump. Trump's not concerned about your future, I promise you. Trump is now promising a full-scale campaign of revenge and retribution, his words. The speech, not by coincidence, coming just one day before the January 6th Capitol right anniversary. I'm trying to rewrite the facts of January 6th, Trump is trying to steal history the same way he tried to steal the election. And to drill home his message, this ad. I've made the preservation of American democracy the central issue of my presidency. I believe in free and fair elections and the right to vote fairly and have your vote counted. But just today, Make America Great Again warns, since taking office, Joe Biden has taken actions that threaten our democracy and the American way of life. Biden has abused his power to target critics, activists, concerned parents, and his main political opponent, President Donald Trump. And the former president also out with a new ad ripping Biden over the economy. Everywhere you look, Trump beats Biden on the economy. Take home pay, up six grand under Trump. Under Biden, $7,000. While Trump leads in the polls, it's not a done deal yet that he's the nominee. GOP candidate Nikki Haley is trying to beat Trump. I agree with a lot of his policies. But the reality is, rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. And presidential candidate Ron DeSantis thinks voters should move past Trump and recognize Biden's failures. The Democrats want Trump to be the candidate. They are going to talk about all the legal stuff. January 6th, that will be what the election will be about. Also tonight, the Biden campaign says it will be out in full force on January 22nd, marking the Roe v. Wade anniversary that comes just days after the annual March for Life event celebrating the unborn is held. No doubt the Biden administration will be keeping abortion front and center up until Election Day in an attempt to hold on to power. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. Coming up later in the newscast, a preview of the Iowa caucuses with the executive director 
of the Iowa Catholic Conference. Well, Wisconsin's Democrat governor is against efforts to keep former President Donald Trump off the ballot. He says the way to beat Trump is to vote against him. He also calls on President Joe Biden to visit the state more often. Meanwhile, efforts are underway in Massachusetts and Illinois, where groups of voters have filed motions to remove the former president from the ballot. This comes on the heels of both Colorado and Maine removing him. Both of those measures are being appealed by the Trump campaign. While those two states removed the former president from the ballot based on his actions surrounding the January 6th Capitol riot, hundreds of people have been convicted in the prosecution of the January 6th insurrection. It was three years ago tomorrow that the nation watched as the U.S. Capitol was attacked, rioters breaking through the windows and doors to stop the peaceful transition of power. Trump claimed the 2020 election was rigged. The Biden administration is making a renewed diplomatic effort to prevent the war in the Middle East from escalating. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in Istanbul earlier today. It is his fourth visit to the region since the war between Israel and Hamas began in October. It comes on the heels of a U.S. strike that killed an Iranian-linked militia commander in Iraq. The head of Hamas said in a videotaped message today that he hopes Blinken would focus his efforts on, quote, ending the aggression on Gaza. A major victory for the pro-life community. This week, an appeals court rejected the Biden administration's attempt to force emergency room doctors to perform abortions. Let's check in now with Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales with Reaction. Eric? Well, good evening, Tracy. This is a pivotal victory for women, children, and healthcare professionals. I spoke with an Alliance Defending Freedom attorney who represented the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Christian Medical and Dental Association involved in the lawsuit. He tells me this ruling protects all emergency rooms from government overreach. Hospitals and doctors are committed to preserving life. And so are the laws that Congress have passed regulating hospitals. But what the Biden administration tried to do is take an almost 40-year-old law that says to protect the unborn child and use it to mandate abortions for the first time in American history. Matt Bowman with Alliance Defending Freedom tells me he's thankful the appeals court unanimously agreed to keep in place the lower court's ruling, halting the Biden administration from employing the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act to force ER doctors to provide elective abortions. Well, what we're facing from the Biden administration is a wide-ranging assault attempting to use their bureaucratic levers of power to impose abortion mandates that Congress has never implemented through any statute. Congressional pro-life co-chair Catholic Congressman Chris Smith says this is another example of the Biden administration trying to implement abortion on demand across the country. People are forgetting uh, what his policy really is. It's to kill babies right to the moment of birth, no waiting periods, no informed consent, force funding for abortion so that all of us have to pay for it. Uh, he is the abortion president, and he is a bitter disappointment. Democrats tell me they want to keep the abortion issue front and center for the upcoming presidential election and say abortion is health care. We have to fight for our vision of the future, a future where getting the birth control that you need is as simple and easy as picking up Advil or Tylenol at the pharmacy. No hoops to jump, no questions you have to answer, and no extra cost. 
I also want to let you know about a new study that found thousands of women who are not pregnant are currently stocking up on abortion pills. According to the study, they said that it's to prepare for future abortion restrictions in certain states. The study found doses of pills have soared since the U.S. Supreme Court sent the abortion issue back to the states. Tracy. Okay, thank you, Eric. Well, in other news tonight, Wayne LaPierre, the head of the National Rifle Association for more than 30 years, has announced his resignation. This comes ahead of a New York civil trial brought by Attorney General Letitia James. She accuses the leadership at the powerful gun rights organization of diverting money and spending organizational funds on personal trips. LaPierre cited health reasons for his resignation effective January 31st. Oh, we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including First in the Nation. As we draw closer to the Iowa caucuses, a look at some of the important issues for Catholics. And an Olympic sprinter has been released after spending years in prison. The countdown is on for the Iowa caucuses taking place in less than two weeks on January 15th. The Republican nominating contest, the first in the nation, is seen as a testing ground of sorts for presidential candidates as voters discuss, debate, and eventually cast their private ballot for whom they would like to see as the presidential nominee. And joining us now to discuss the Catholic vote in Iowa is Tom Chapman, executive director of the Iowa Catholic Conference. Tom, good to be with you today. Uh, I know you have your pulse, of course, on the Catholic community in Iowa. What do you see as the top issues or priorities for the faithful? Well, we always encourage people to get involved in the political process in light of their faith. So here in Iowa, certainly over the past few years, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, protecting women and children and getting them the resources they need if they become pregnant. Um, we've also in Iowa passed a heartbeat abortion bill that is now at our Supreme Court. So we've done some work on that and also did a lot of work on parental choice and education. And so many uh, children in Catholic schools in Iowa this fall got a scholarship through the state. And so we're excited about that. And I think you'll see a lot of interest from Catholic voters on that. Yeah, Tom, I know that you really can't endorse any one candidate, but who do you think may be the strongest on some of the issues that matter the most to Catholics? Can you say? Well, I can say that, uh, you know, many of the candidates, uh, many people I respect in Iowa support all three of the different big candidates, actually all four. And so in that sense, I think there's a lot of people who are looking at the principles and trying to decide what's the right thing for that. Um, you know, I don't see any reason to think the polls are wrong in Iowa in terms of the strength of the former president. But sometimes there are surprises on caucus night. You never know if there's going to be a snowstorm or something like that and how committed people are to getting out and voting for their candidate. Who are these people? Yeah, I'm curious about this, Tom. I mean, how different or, or maybe similar are the priorities for Catholic Iowans compared to Iowans in general? Is there much difference? Yeah, you know, I think in some ways um, there is really no such thing as a Catholic vote in the sense that most uh, people vote according to their team, you know, and what their team says rather than their faith. And that's something that we're always trying to get across in our communications with Catholics is really take a look at what the principles of the Catholic Church are and, you know, do some discernment in your conscience and then go go take action on that. And so we're, we're talking about things very consistently. We have a very special concern for the poor 
you know, here in Iowa. So I would say that, you know, Catholics are kind of all over the place in terms of their partisanship, but I think there's a lot of unity around what the principles are of the Catholic Church. And I understand that Catholics make up around 30% of the population there in Iowa. Um, that said, how active are they in the caucus process, if at all? Well, I would say very active. You know, the vast majority of people in Iowa are registered to vote, and we get a good amount of people turn out to uh, party caucuses. You know, that's just caucuses are just neighborhood meetings. And so people get together and talk about issues and express their presidential preference. And so in the Republican Party this time, they're going to do that in person, and the Democrats have a mail-in process. But it's a really great opportunity to look your neighbor in the eye, talk about important issues. And, of course, Iowans think that they should meet candidates before they vote for them. So, you know, my text uh, text on my phone are blowing up these days with different meetings that the public's being invited to with, you know, DeSantis and uh, Nikki Haley and uh, former President Trump. And so people have an opportunity to get in front of these people and put eyes on them and see what's important. And we encourage people to bring their faith to it, ask the questions they want to ask, and then make their decision. Tom, before we wrap up, real quick, uh, what is this major political event? What does it mean for the state of Iowa and for the faithful as well? Well, I think for us, it really is a great opportunity for the faithful to get involved and try to make a difference in our society. It's uh, very important that they do that on a regular basis now at the caucuses and later in the general election. We certainly, you know, it's a good thing, I think, for, for business in Iowa and certainly the political business. It's a good thing for the TV stations to run all the ads. But I think more importantly, it's important for just the average person in Iowa to get to have a choice to have their voice heard across the country. And so we certainly encourage people to get out there and participate on the 15th. Well, Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. God bless. Thank you very much. Uh, more than a decade after he was convicted of murdering his girlfriend, Paralympian Oscar Petoris is out of prison free on parole. Officials confirmed the South African sprinter was now at home, having served half of his 15-year sentence. Pastoris gained fame first as a Paralympian athlete, and then in 2012, he became the first double amputee to run in the Olympics. Only six months later, Pastoris shot his girlfriend four times through the bathroom door of his house. Pastoris denied killing her, saying that he had mistaken her as an intruder. Well, the third batch of documents related to Jeffrey Epstein's sexual abuse of teenage girls has been released. This adds to the hundreds of pages of testimony and legal filings already unsealed. The documents detail how the financier leveraged his connections to the rich and famous to recruit victims and cover up crimes. The release stems from a now settled defamation lawsuit brought by Virginia Jufri, who accused British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell of enabling her abuse by Epstein. Among the famous people in Epstein's circle before he was exposed as a sexual predator, former presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, singer Michael Jackson and magician David Copperfield, just to name a few.
none of the men were accused of any wrongdoing. All GOP lawmakers in Ohio are attempting to move forward on a bill to prevent gender reassignment surgeries for minors. Governor Mike DeWine, a Catholic, broke from the Republican Party when he vetoed the bill. Ohio House leadership moved up the start of the new session to consider whether the override whether to override the veto, that is. One representative went on social media and says the lawmakers have the votes to override the veto. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, a new role. A major Hollywood actor is now Catholic. And an NBA player tells us about shoes with a fitting message. Pilgrims took part in a historic hike for the faithful in Spain. In 2023, more than 446,000 people hit the Camino de Santiago. Nearly half were from Spain. Among those from foreign countries, the U.S. ranked first with 32,000 pilgrims. The Camino, also known as the Way of St. James, travels a route that is 1,000 years old. Well, a major Hollywood star begins the new year as a Catholic. Shia LaBeouf received the Sacrament of Confirmation last weekend in California. He is now officially a Catholic. According to the Capuchin Friar, who is LaBeouf's confirmation sponsor, the actor also wants to become a deacon. He was confirmed by Bishop Robert Barron. Welcome home, Shia. While the Christmas season is winding down and at the Vatican, one of the last major events, the Solemnity of the Epiphany, takes place tomorrow with a mass presided over by Pope Francis. EWTN Vatican News correspondent Colin Flynn has more on the historical and religious meaning of the feast. The Solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord. While many associated with the end of the liturgical season of Christmas, the feast day is traditionally associated among Western Christians with the visit of the Magi, the three wise men, and among Eastern Christians with Christ's baptism in the Jordan River. The word epiphany is from the ancient Greek, meaning manifestation or appearance. If at the center of Christmas Day is the birth of the child, in Epiphany it is emphasized that the child is the Messiah, the Son of God and Savior of the world. Epiphany also marks the Day of the Magi, the Three Wise Men. It is Matthew's Gospel that narrates the episode of this visit to the infant Jesus, with the Magi arriving in Jerusalem and asking, Where is he who was born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The significance of this visit is deeply theological. The three wise men symbolize foreigners and pagans, recognizing the coming of the true God. Each of the three visitors brings a different gift with a specific meaning. With gold, they acknowledge Jesus' kingship, with frankincense, his divinity, and with myrrh, his humanity. Last year, at the Mass of the Solemnity of the Epiphany, Pope Francis emphasized the importance of the visit by the three wise men, explaining how, from the experience of the Magi, we learn that the first place where Jesus loves to be sought is in the relentless questioning. The exciting adventure of these three wise men from the East teaches us that faith is not born of our own merits, thought and theories. Rather, it is God's gift. Sono verbi di movimento. 
Following the tradition, tomorrow, January 6, the Holy Father will preside over Holy Mass for the feast in St. Peter's Basilica. Cari fratelli e sorelle, buongiorno e buona festa. After that, at noon, Pope Francis will also lead a special Angelus for this solemnity. In Rome, Colum Flynn, EWTN News Nightly. And finally tonight, the Orlando Magic are turning heads across the NBA this season. Virtually no one picked them to make the playoffs. Today, the Magic are in sixth place in the Eastern Conference, making a postseason berth very likely. One of the key cogs is Jonathan Isaac, a physical presence and defensive stalwart. Off the court, Isaac is making a name for himself another way, launching his own clothing line and basketball shoe with the aim of promoting and celebrating faith. My name is Jonathan Isaac. I play basketball for the Orlando Magic. I'm a forward. I'm 26. I'm an author and a new business owner. I was raised in a very Christian household. You know, I, I called my dad. He was a Holy Ghost role and we would be in church. It felt like every single day. I had my really like coming to Jesus moment actually when I got into the NBA where I understood that a real tangible relationship with Jesus Christ was possible and necessary to the life that I'm living today. With the sixth pick in the 2017 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select Jonathan Isaac from Florida State University. This is my seventh season now. Um, I've had my fair share of ups and downs of playing really well and falling to some major injuries that have kept me off the court. Uh, but God has been so faithful. I'm glad to be back on the court now playing, and our team is doing pretty well. Oh, oh, this is amazing. Oh, my goodness. The of defense. My nickname in the NBA is the Minister of Defense. It kind of stuck that one announcer started calling me the Minister of Defense when he found out that I was a Christian and also a minister. Back during 2020, um, I was signed to Nike. And uh, after getting injured, Nike didn't resign me. And I actually went to my pastor and was like, hey, I don't have a shoe company anymore. And he said, you should make your own sneaker. And so I said, okay, hey, let's go down the road of making my own sneaker. And I wanted it to be authentic to me. My middle name is Judah. We're gonna call it the Judah One. Um, and we talked about why not just create this sneaker for me? Why not create an entire sports and apparel company that could give people the freedom to wear their values on the court and off the court? The Judah One is actually the first NBA signature sneaker with a visible Bible verse on the outside. The big thing is the line of Judah being the theme of the sneaker, right? In the front of the tongue, there's the line of Judah head. There's the mane that wraps around the backside. There's the claws that come up the, the, the outside of the shoe. Um, there's a Judah one underneath, and then you have that, that Bible verse uh, on the outside. Values matter. And when we give our money to companies that don't share the same values as we do, we are co-signing their message. There has to be alternatives out there for people to turn to. And Unitas is, in my opinion, trying to take that sports and athleisure space to say, hey, this is the brand for you if this is what you want to wear. And so I'm excited about it. Makes his presence felt. Dad, watch this. And we thank EWTN News Nightly's Ryan O'Leary for bringing us that great story. And if you'd like to get your hands on the Judo One or learn more about Jonathan Isaac's platform, you can visit WeAreUnitas.com.
www.thepetshow.com. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. We leave you tonight with the traditional arrival of the three wise men to a cathedral in Spain. Good night and God bless. Aquí, por favor.